Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. These are some pretty dark days in America right now, and obviously some uncertain times around the world. And probably it is safe to say that for all of us, for everyone who has been alive for a while, this is probably the most devastating time we've ever experienced. A lot of things to be discouraged about, to be frustrated about. For the past year, governments have decided that they have the authority to basically lock us in our homes, to mandate that normal breathing is now illegal because you have to wear a mask, you have to wear maybe goggles or more than one mask. I took, I went to a, a hockey game a little over a month ago in Kansas, and the rule was that you had to be actively eating and drinking at your seat, pod seating, by the way, not seated anywhere near anybody else, but you had to be actively eating and drinking or else you had to put your mask back on. And so I was taking a sip of my drink every 10, 15 seconds, and apparently that wasn't enough. And so an employee actually came over to me and said I wasn't drinking actively enough. Now, these are the types of things that after a year get pretty frustrating, pretty annoying. They're obviously not the end of the world. But when we see the big picture, we realize how much of our freedoms are being taken away, how much we're being hassled so that we can basically never go back to living normally again. It can get pretty irritating, and it can get to the point where maybe people start to snap. Maybe people just let anger boil out of control. Now we're hearing more about vaccines, where it's not enough to get it one time. You have to get it two or three times, and you have to be able to provide proof of it before you can travel anywhere. It just never ends, it seems like. And in this most recent Fake presidency here in America. We've seen gas prices rise. We've seen people making lower wages start to lose their jobs. We've seen people working in fields that are against the green movement lose their jobs. There was even a report about how the state of Texas asked the federal government for a higher cap on their energy usage, and Joe Biden said no right before the winter storm. So really, it would be fair to say that the president, the fake president, is largely responsible for a lot of the devastation that took place during that storm. There were wind turbines that were freezing. That is an impractical way to extract energy from the earth. Yet, to the detriment of many people, liberals keep pushing for its regular usage. We have seen America go to many great extremes 
to try to continue courting Iran, probably the one nation on earth that hates us more than any other, and yet Joe Biden and others like him are desperate to become friends with them somehow. Basically what I'm saying is we live in a world gone mad, and perhaps that might make you pretty mad. We've seen a lot of people turn to drugs and suicide to try to deal with the frustration, the anger that they're facing. And so how do we deal with these types of emotions? How do we prevent these emotions from getting out of control to where they really can hurt us? Well, we have to understand where anger comes from. We have to understand when anger might be appropriate and what the appropriate targets of our anger might be. Certain targets we should never be angry at. So that's also something to consider. Last year, Mr. Stephen Fleury wrote an article titled How to Conquer Discouragement. You can find this at pcg.church. And he pointed out the main reason, the real cause of America's self-destructive behavior, the real source of Americans becoming frustrated and angry, desperate and hopeless, Satan the devil. This is a being created perfect by God as Lucifer, the light bringer, Many millions of years ago, he had a chance to beautify the entire earth, given charge over a third of all the millions and millions of angels. And if he had succeeded on earth, he would have gone out and done the same thing in all the universe too. But this perfect being eventually let bitterness and jealousy and vanity consume his mind, and he corrupted all the angels around him. It probably took a long time for him to do so. But eventually, when he stirred up all these angels to where they became twisted into demons, they decided to revolt. You can look at Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28 in the Bible, which describe the first time that Satan tried to attack, and overthrow the Creator God from his throne. This probably took place millions of years ago. And then Satan didn't learn his lesson. The demons did not <laughs> learn anything from their failure in that battle. Revelation 12 shows that Satan and the demons would try again to rebel and overthrow God. And this time, the more recent time they rebelled, was actually not too long ago. It was in this end time. And they failed again, and they were confined to the earth. Revelation 12, verses 7 through 9, show that God is making sure that Satan and the demons can't roam the universe anymore. They're stuck here now. 
And that's the whole reason why the world is suffering so much. We can feel pretty justified sometimes in being upset, being really wrathful about the things we see going on in society around us. But again, what is the right way to direct those emotions? How can we actually make sure that our anger is under control? Satan's anger isn't under control. He's the most miserable being who's ever existed. We don't want to follow that example because it makes him extremely unhappy. Anger is poisonous. Back in 2006, the late PCG minister Alex Harrison wrote an article titled Harnessing Anger. This is also at pcg.church. I'll put these articles in the show notes later today as well. But Mr. Harrison talked about two types of anger. These two types of anger are quite different from each other. One type of anger bubbles up under the surface. It stays hidden for a long time. It smolders. It gets hotter and hotter. It drives our need for revenge. And eventually, it rages out of control. And usually people around don't see that coming. There's the other type of anger that is outward. It is sudden. It's more explosive right away. And Mr. Harrison says it's like a match that flares up quickly and then burns out rapidly. So a couple types of anger, both of which are unhealthy for us, like Mr. Harrison points out. They cause high blood pressure, migraine headaches, and nervousness. Mr. Harrison also said plenty of people in God's own church have the problem of uncontrolled temper. This is a common problem. Mr. Armstrong, the late educator and theologian Herbert W. Armstrong, talked about an example of a man he worked with earlier in his life. He was a, this man was a typesetter, and he actually coddled his temper. This, this can be found in Mr. Armstrong's autobiography, available for free at thetrumpet.com. But this typesetter would have to put letters into the right place so that a newspaper could be printed. He had to put the letters in place by hand, one at a time. And if he ever slipped up, the letters would scatter all over the floor, and this man would melt down into a frothing rage. And he would curse at everybody. He would scream at everybody, even the people who were over him in authority. Even helpless passers-by even clients who had nothing to do with the mistake. And this man was actually proud of his temper. He coddled it. He, he boasted to people, well, you don't want to be around me when I'm angry. He had no control over his anger, and he thought that was actually a good thing. But is it a good thing? Galatians 5 
talks about the works of the flesh. And these are some pretty sick works. You can see here, starting Galatians 5, verse 19. Just listen to these many works of the flesh. See if they sound desirable or righteous in any way. Galatians 5, verses 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. And it goes on to say, if you are controlled by these types of works of the flesh, you cannot enter into God's kingdom. But you have it, you, you see there, murders. Did you know that hatred, the wrong kind of anger, is the spirit of murder? You can see that in Matthew 5. Jesus Christ is speaking, and he's explaining how even, even hating someone is, is very dangerous. Matthew 5, verse 21, You have heard that it was said by them of old time, You shall not kill. And whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But verse 22 says, But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council, but whosoever shall say you fool shall be in danger of hell fire. So it's, it's basically the spirit of murder that breaks the sixth commandment. God hates when his law is broken. He hates the type of anger that leads to this deadly form of hatred. So how does God handle anger? There are plenty of scriptures that describe God as sometimes being wrathful, being enraged. So clearly there is a place for the right kind of anger. John 3 verse 16 says that God loved the world so much he sacrificed his own son, Jesus Christ, so that we might all have a chance to live forever. Romans 5 verse 8 shows that God allowed Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. So God loves the world even though the world is full of sinners? How can that be? Doesn't God hate sin? Isn't the penalty for sin death? That's what Romans 6 verse 23 says. Sin is the reason why Christ had to die. So there's no way God could love sin. Yet, he loves us so much that he let Christ die for us. He let Christ die for sinners. He loves the sinners 
but hates the sin. And sin is the, the transgression or the breaking of God's perfect spiritual law. 1 John 3 verse 4. So God does hate sin. He does look at the world and get very upset by what he sees going on, by the way that humans abuse each other and themselves. He's not ho-hum about it. He's not happy at, at all about it. And yet he still loves every one of the 7 billion plus people on the planet. He's witnessing trillions of sins every day, yet he still loves every one of us lowly sinners. That's pretty incredible that God could actually make that distinction. That God could actually separate us from our sins and still love us. Psalm 7 verse 11 says, God judges the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. You see, God does get angry. He's angry with sinners while not actually hating them. He hates what they're doing to destroy themselves. And he just wants us to eventually learn better to know better so we don't keep doing it anymore. Mr. Harrison talked about some of the problems that come from uncontrolled anger. He says, uncontrolled anger causes spiritual problems, especially lack of inner peace and joy. God's Holy Spirit is impeded when anger rules. So again, the reason I'm bringing this up is because when have we ever lived in a more frustrating time period than this one? Life as we know it is changed forever for the worst because of tyrants around the world who think that they can micromanage every detail of our lives. And it is so much worse than the disease itself. The cure is worse than the disease, as we've heard so many times from so many people. More and more people all the time are waking up to that. It can be very, very easy to start ranting about certain people in charge, calling names, threatening them. And yet God doesn't do that. God hates what especially the radical left is doing to America. He hates the way they stole the election. He hates the way they are actively inflicting suffering upon the people. And he also hates the way that the people are living, which is the reason why those rulers are in office in the first place. There is blame to go all around and God hates every bit of the sin that causes all these problems. Yet he doesn't hate any of the sinners. He doesn't hate Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, Nancy Pelosi. In fact, 
They are his children. They will have a chance to learn better one day. Think about that. Think about how some people right now are being used to destroy the greatest nation in world history, a nation God specifically blessed, and yet God doesn't hate any of them. He loves all of them. Mr. Harrison wrote, Anger is at the core of Satan's personality. He became angry millions of years ago when he felt he was so beautiful and talented that God should use him more. He became vain, puffed up, and angry with God. This led to an outburst of hostility and rebellion. Satan tries to pump anger into our minds. With anger as a catalyst, Satan can destroy God's character in us. Anger promotes rebellion. Anger promotes disobedience. Anger makes it easier to become offended and to leave the church of God. And so he even gives us a solution. How to actually harness anger. How to keep it under control. How to actually direct it properly. There are plenty of things, plenty of actions worthy of our anger. But whenever we start to be angry at people, it, transformed, it transforms into hatred of those people. Where we don't separate the sinner from the sin and we start to hate both. That's the, the problem to really be careful of because that's the spirit of murder. Mr. Harrison says, face most anger as a sin. Realize that most anger is sin because it's very difficult to be angry at the sin without being angry at the sinner too. So these are, these are instances where we just would have to maybe stop thinking so much about the injustices. It's good to think about it sometimes and pray about it for God's deliverance of the world in his timing. But when we dwell on it too much, we get more and more frustrated and we start to get more and more angry at specific people. And that's where we can really start to get in trouble. That's where we really start to sin. Mr. Harrison said, point number two, repent of anger. So Face most anger as sin, and then repent of anger. He uses the example of King David, who in Psalm chapter 32 said, His bones actually waxed old through his roaring all the day long. He was basically pretending he wasn't angry. He was trying to keep the anger inside. And yet his body was roaring from it. His bones were getting old from trying to bottle up all that anger. He says, for day and night, God's hand was heavy upon me. So finally, he had to recognize that his anger was sin. He had to go to God, say he was sorry, and commit to changing from that wrong hateful, murderous attitude. Mr. Harrison writes, 
Acknowledge to God the anger in your life openly and humbly, and God will forgive you. This is a problem we all struggle with. We realize that the world has gone insane. The world worships the will. The world is in Satan's stranglehold. And that's why so many people are suffering. We see the evil being perpetrated by human beings, but we can't hate those human beings, no matter how sick those sins might be. Hate the sin, love the sinner. Realize God's plan includes everyone. Everyone, according to God's perfect timing, will have a chance to learn the right way. They'll have to answer for their sins, and then they'll be given a real chance to know God and change. If God hated those people, they would all die on the spot. If they're abusing children, if they're oppressing the greatest nation ever, if they are raping and murdering and whatever other sins... God would just strike them dead if he hated the people. He wouldn't let them live. He'd make sure they died forever. And yet that's not part of God's plan at all. He gives people every opportunity to one day enter into his family. So we have to follow that example and not hate. Not be angry at people, but angry at what they're doing. And finally, Mr. Harrison says, point number three, ask God for help. Just containing anger is not the final solution. It's better to get rid of anger completely. And he quotes here Ephesians 4, verses 30 through 31. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So face most anger as sin, repent of anger, ask God for help. This is how, in the most outrageous, upsetting time we've ever experienced, we can control and put away the wrong kind of anger. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.